Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Australian Politics Live. I'm Catherine Murphy, political editor of Guardian Australia, and I'm also the host of this show. This week in the studio is Caroline Fisher. Now, she is the project leader of the Digital News Report Australia 2019, which looks at media trends in the digital landscape in 2019 and gets into all kinds of interesting, thorny subjects like fake news. Caroline, thank you so much for coming on the show. My absolute pleasure. Now, I want us to start just because uh, readers, may, uh, readers, God, listeners may not necessarily be familiar with this whole exercise that you have been spearheading, dear woman, for a couple <laughs> of years, this great research project on media trends. So why don't we just start explaining what it is? Absolutely. This project is part of a global research project coordinated by the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism at the University of Oxford. And there are 38 countries involved. And so the unique kind of thing that we bring is looking at uh, shifting trends in news consumption mm. and perceptions of, of news from the perspective of news consumers, but being able to see it in this global context. And and that's the purpose of it. Mm-hmm. So the 120-page the tome, uh, which is only, <laughs> no, you know, it's, a, it's, it's a, a tip of the iceberg. There's uh, so much more. But, no, um, no, no, it's a very delicate, well-laid-out document. <laughs> why don't we, why don't we uh, tell folks listening... What are what are the main findings? Let's let's just run through that. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, there are a lot of similarities between what's happening in Australia and what's happening, you know, around uh, the rest of the world. The the shift to online is is really moving. So last year in Australia, we saw that, as you know, we all use many sources of news when we're looking for news, or most people use more than one, and and we had you know online sources were taking over for us last year. But this year, people's main source of news, as in the ones we rely on most and use most often, now in Australia, that's that's leading, and that tends to be online now. Mm-hmm. So that's that shift to to online to digital. Is, is just keeps on ramping up and that's true globally. So we're keeping a pace there. Also the shift to mobile news consumers, it's the you know, it's the one stop device for mm. everything. Mm-hmm. And so we're really seeing that, particularly in regional areas actually. The um the growth the growing use of mobile for news is actually happening more quickly mm-hmm. in regional areas. It hasn't taken over the major c- cities, but the rise is happening very quickly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the the continuing online shift, the mobile shift but some other kind of, I think, interesting things, and, and it's a mixed report card, as it is every year, but so we see that there's actually been an increase in news avoidance. We asked the question back in 2017, and we see you know, a slight rise in people avoiding the news, Australians avoiding the news, and we, we tend to avoid the news a little bit more than the global average of mm. the other countries in the survey. So that's, that's a, a trend that's not necessarily so positive, but one we need to pay attention to. We have seen that also not such a great thing, Interest in news in Australia has fallen mm. in the last four years and also globally we have lower interest in news than the average of the yeah, other we, countries and we have lower interest in politics. Yeah, we're shallower consumers of news We are, by the, we are the lightest. Mm. Of the 38 countries, we are the lightest news consumers and how do we measure that? We ask people how often they access news, whether it's you know once a day, more than once a day, three times a day or whatever. And if we have a rough divide between those who access news once a day or less and then once a day or more... Mm. Those above, we label heavy news consumers, and those below, we say light. And when we look at that across all the 38 countries, uh, we are at the bottom. We are 38. We we are the lightest consumers. We are, yeah, we're not that into news. And when when we say, when we talk about news avoidance, uh, I think it's pretty clear, but let's make it abundantly clear. What are we talking about? We're, we're talking about people who 
actively shun watching news or consuming it's not, news. Yeah, I mean, so we ask them, again, it's on a scale of, you know, do you sometimes, occasionally, often, never you know, always. So the people who we say are avoiders are those who say yes, you know, so so it's uh, sometimes and often, you know, th- those people who sort of say that, yes, they do engage in avoidance sort of on a semi-regular basis. Mm. And why do we think that is? I know the survey is not really about the why, it's about the what. You, you, it gives us clues, though. What, what do you think? Why are people avoiding it? So there's a couple of things that we've found. Some of it's to do with negativity. We find that news consumers do find that the news uh, produced by the Australian news media is negative. And, mm. in fact, we perceive our news media to be more negative yeah. than well, other was, countries. Yeah, that was another interesting yeah. thing. Apart from the avoidance and the fact that we, we, mm. we touch news lightly in Australia compared mm. to others, mm. we also... that. A great bulk of us, particularly right-leaning people, I mm. think is that right? I think it's right-leaning people are more likely to are more avoid. likely to, well more likely to think it's negative. More yes, likely to yes, think they that are. Coverage is negative. They are. So, yeah. So again, what do we think about that? Well, I think you know, I, I have thought about this quite a bit. And in fact, I, I did write something in the report about it. And because you know it's contested, I can't I can't prove it one way or another. It could be. I mean, there's there's criticism that the media is too left-leaning. It could be that they therefore perceive the left-leaning media to be negative. Yes. I mean, that seems to me to be the logical mm. interpretation. Mm. I can't prove that, mm. uh, and I'm sure there are other interpretations, but that, that was the one that came to mind for mm. me, I have to say. Yeah, yeah, well, that makes sense. And also whether, I don't know to what extent, you know, if news appears to be sensationalised yeah. or, you know, I wonder about this a bit myself with the digital environment because, of course, uh, analytics are so important for media companies now. We we watch what our audiences are doing minutely and we and a lot of the business these days is about optimising mm. eyeballs. Mm-hmm. So you, you do... Um, Sometimes, not all the time, and I think strangely we're seeing a bit less of it than we than we were even a few years ago. But that optimization sometimes is about putting a screaming headline on something so that people are tempted to click through and read. Uh, and it's, it'd be funny, wouldn't it, if all of that optimization activity was actually repelling some readers? It obviously attracts some readers because. You don't do it just because you're conducting a live social experiment. You you do it because you think it'll work. But whether there's an equal and opposite effect that we're not measuring, which is that some readers are actively repelled by it or think it's negative or think it's overblown or think it's, you know, it's amped up beyond the sum of its parts. Again, I mean, you and I are speculating, mm, but I'm yeah. kind of intrigued by it. No, it's true. But I have to say the effect of, you know, perceptions of negativity, it's, it's, not, it's not sort of 20 points of difference, you know, between people who avoid and don't avoid. It's not the key driver. And so it's hard to really, I, I think it's, you know, to do with fatigue. Mm. People who are fatigued avoid more. So we did ask a question about fatigue. So people who feel feel overwhelmed, I think, you know, logically, they are less likely to consume news as actively if they're feeling a bit overwhelmed by it. Well, the fatigue point's interesting too, because again, we live now in this very saturated, cacophonous environment because of digital. You know, we're all on social, well, a number of us are on social platforms and we're consuming the, the old mm. old school mainstream news. That sort of content's coming at us from every which way. Mm. So, you know, it, even if you're not fatigued in your life, even mm. if you, you know, you're full of 
bright and full of energy and full of Barocca or whatever your drug of choice is, there's still a lot coming at you. So I think uh, from an industry perspective, we are we are quite attentive to that, mm. to that saturation mm. and mm. audiences being overwhelmed. Mm. bit hard to know what we do about it though, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, interestingly though, I mean, I when we put this question in and we discussed it at the end of last year and when we were in preparation for this year's survey and I thought I, I was expecting there to be you know, a very strong, you know, majority response to, yes, I am overwhelmed, you know, but actually there wasn't. Mm. So again, you know, it's about a third said that they, you know, agreed with the statement, I am worn out by news. And there was a big chunk in the middle who didn't really know whether they were or not. And then, you know, a similar kind of quarter at the end who said, no, that they weren't worn out by it. Well, they're massively obsessed with it. (laughs) So, yeah. So, but again, I thought, okay, well, it's only a third of people are saying that they are worn out by it and there's that bunch in the middle, not so sure. I was expecting a stronger response, so I'm kind of relieved actually <laughs> well, um, that they're not as worn out. Yeah, well, but, and good. interestingly, the people who are most worn out are the people who are the most interested mm. uh, because they are engaged with it so much. Mm. Well, that's interesting too. Now let's talk about fake news too. Yes, which, that's one of the other interesting findings. Mm, just this past weekend with a couple of colleagues I've kind of delved into the recent Australian federal election and the preponderance of death tax material that was mm. doing the rounds during the campaign. Mm. And we've tried to sort of document that as best we could. I mean, to my mind, obviously, there's always lying and exaggerations in election campaigns for as long as both of us have been alive. That's mm. been the case in a long time before that. But we are, I think, creeping into a new dimension where there is either active misinformation being circulated on platforms where there aren't robust editorial controls in order to stop it, Mm. in essence. So there's that. But also, fascinatingly, in this survey, uh, from a journalist's point of view, it it pays to remember this, and you don't always as a journalist because I think, oh, fake news is misinformation pinging around on Facebook by you know, some in some black ops exercise or something like that. In this survey, news consumers are looking for fake news published by mainstream media outlets. <laughs> well, this year... Um, or news they don't trust. Let's news call they it news, they, news yeah. they don't trust. So, yeah. I mean, the, we, the fake news issue we've been tracking for two years now, and so last year, or was it since 2017? Anyway, for the last couple of years we've been looking at fake news. And I think actually last year we asked people about, you know, definitions of fake news really, and we presented several of them, and one of them political misinformation, the other being sort of poor quality journalism. And, of course, that was exactly people in the survey that was the largest category. Yeah. That that people thought that fake news was basically they Bad equated it with poor journalism. Yeah. That's right. And then we see again this year that yeah, two thirds of us are still concerned about what's real or fake on the internet. It was how we kind of fa- phrased the question this year. Again, we're more concerned than the global average. Interestingly, I think you would find Catherine that people who are interested in politics are the most concerned <laughs> uh, about fake news. But there is you know there is some good news as well that we do find we asked you know whether or not people were engaging in fact-checking kind of activities Mm. this year and we were quite specific about the different types of verification or you know cautious behavior they might you know employ if they were concerned about fake news and there is evidence that people are another really interesting it is and that's that's actually great Mm. so you know this is the first time we ask that question so we can't say whether it's increasing or decreasing but all we can say is that there is definite evidence that there are people who are 
who are fact-checking and, and, you know, around 30% on certain types of activities. So like 36% said that they've, they have checked several different sources to verify the accuracy of a story. So mm. they're not just relying on one source. So that's great. Yeah, well, it is it's great. It's really, really encouraging. No, 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 and, it is. Um, it is. Yeah. Mind you, you know, 20% said that they did decided not to share a story or 22% because they're unsure about it. But we're more likely to share a story we're dubious about than average of news consumers in other countries. Mm. But even still, mm. you know, good starting point. 22% of us are not going to share a story they're dubious about. Yeah, exactly. And are actively trying to verify basic information to make sure that what is Mm. being reported either on mainstream media or elsewhere is is accurate with somewhere approximating reality. Like, um, I'm so cheered by this, I cannot possibly tell you how cheered I am by this. No, it's great. And some people are saying as well that they've they've stopped using sources that they thought were a bit shonky. They're turning to more reliable sources as well, more trusted brands. So, look, there's, you know, this is, like I said, the first time we've asked it and it'll be really interesting to track it either next year the year after to mm. see how it's progressing. Going on. I want to delve into that whole process of verification and who's doing it and who okay. isn't doing it for yeah. a minute, just yeah, because sure. I think that that's quite interesting. Like from reading the report, yeah. I got the, I got those two conclusions. One, the, the one I've already foregrounded, which is fake news is not necessarily what I think it is, which <laughs> is active misinformation on yeah. on social platforms or whatever else. It's stuff that's being produced by media outlets. I mean, I'm obviously attentive to the fact that bad journalism happens and sometimes <laughs> even do it myself. Anyway, it's just a good salutary reminder for journalists to remember that. That's what people are... Well, uh, I think it also kind of points to the fact that you know the, the sloganeering um, by Trump in 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 actually labelling journalism fake news as fake news yes, that it's, that, that it may have succeeded. A, yeah, may have an and impact. I think that that's yes, that's yes. possibly that's what's going on there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's absolutely devastating. Anyway, let's not dwell there. The other interesting thing, looking at that section of the report, that really stuck out to me is that the people, sadly, even though we've just spoken a minute ago, that it's great that people are attentive to this, that they are actively seeking to verify sources, they're cross-referencing different published reports to make sure that they've got the right information. There is a cohort of Australians, Mm. though, who do not do that at all. And I'm I'm very interested to see that that cohort is basically undecided voters. Mm. They don't have clear political allegiances. They're not rusted ons to one side or another. They can't really identify where they sit on the political spectrum. They're basically, according to this report, uh, let's set it up this way, Caroline, like people with (laughs) higher levels of education, income and engagement with politics. That's the group most likely to try and verify something if they think it's a bit sus, right? And the the people who are least likely to go down that path Mm. are people that have low interest in politics and in the news generally. They use the fewest media sources in their daily lives anyway and they have the lightest engagement with them and this this cohort according to this report are predominantly women they are younger people they have lower levels of education and they have low incomes Mm. and basically that's the cohort that fact checks the Mm. least Mm. and so they're it's kind of freaking me out yeah woman (laughs) <laughs> it's freaking me out like yeah, because I... we've got this problem too and people who listened to the show last week will have heard a conversation I had with Peter Lewis who mm-hmm. is the essential media who runs essential media yep. and does polling. Yeah. And we were talking about the disengaged cohort, mm. how important they are in mm. always de- in mm. determining elections but how how difficult they're becoming to reach. To reach. Oh, absolutely. And, and here they are again. 
And here they are again. Absolutely. And it's as an area of research for myself, I think it's as a, as a public interest area of research, I think this is pressing. Can I tell you, it's extraordinarily hard to get funding to, to do this research, mm. but I think it's urgent, actually. Mm. I mean, which is why um, in this report we have specifically singled out those who, when we ask them what political orientation are you, you know, from left to right, we focus on the people who say, I don't know. Mm. Mm. <laughs> and we've tried to track those people and their behaviour because we did think, particularly with the outcome of the election, is there, I mean, we can't say for sure they're the same people, but, but there are some similar characteristics, mm. you know, about those undecided voters and the size of the of the don't knows and their behaviour. And and absolutely, you're right. These people tend to be more likely to be female, more likely to be young, more likely to have lower levels of education and income, etc. And it is a real problem. So how do we get to these people? And uh, which is why we've strived to really identify them. And it's sort of obviously neither you nor I in this conversation are saying that voters need to vote in particular ways. We're not waggling our fingers in disapproval at people voting in whatever way you vote. The disturbing thing for me is that whether whether you vote on factual information... Mm. It's, it, yeah, that's like, right. Whether 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 you have information before you that is sufficiently reliable mm. to form the basis of of a, a judgment. Yep. In a political campaign. Absolutely. So these people. So if you think about the recent campaign and you think the extraordinary onslaught of political TV ads, for instance. So these people, you know, these people who don't know the potential mm. swingers, they are very reliant on TV mm. and social, but particularly on TV. And the people who rely on TV as their main platform to access news, they also tend to have lower incomes. Mm. So, you know, the extraordinary scare campaigns, you know, and the fake news and the series you did most recently and looking at the death tax commercials and every other ad, these people are terribly vulnerable to that. Mm. Yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, neither of us can solve this problem in this conversation and nor is this conversation purporting to solve it, but we are just trying to shine a light mm, here absolutely. On, on this being... An issue. It's it's a problem that doesn't have a simple solution. No. And can I tell but, you, just as a you know, the outcome of the election, because we were all surprised. We did this chapter, the moment the, the day you know that night. Really, you know, I contacted the team. Said we've got to dig deeper on this. Mm. We've got to try and find out who these people are. Mm. So this actual chapter on political orientation was the last chapter to be written, <laughs> and um, and to kind of delayed the process right. because I I really felt. Um, as well one of my colleagues that we really had to try and help explain this a bit so I'm really hoping that that the evidence we've got here is is useful. Yeah well uh, and it does just reinforce this point which is now uh, I think certainly not lost on on the polling companies if my conversation with Peter last week's any guide uh, that we need to in amassing that evidence base that you're talking about we've got to we've got to turn around this conundrum from a few different vantage points yeah. we can't as peter said last week just for the sake of of statistical evidence or elegance which was his rationale in in polling for the for the sake of statistical elegance we just kind of sweep away the undecideds yeah that's right no no that's exactly what happens mm. i know mm. which is one of the reasons why we have been actively not doing that yes exactly um, and mm. even and it's actually they're the area that it's the gray that always interests me the most mm. you know that murky bit in the middle you know the non black and white bit which was why i was never very good as a journalist. Because <laughs> the black and white just kind of didn't do it for me. But, you know, so when we ask that, you know, kind of very broad question about trust, do you trust the news media? And there's all those people in the middle who kind of neither trust nor distrust. And yeah. It's a huge chunk of people. Yeah. Who are these people? Yeah. You know, that's the, the ones that either end are easy 
Yes. What's this mess in the middle? Yes. You know, and again, yes. the, the don't knows are kind of similar. Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, I, I just, <laughs> we, we can't fix it, guys. Sorry, but no. we can just draw attention to it and draw your attention to it in this conversation. So what else do we need to know about <laughs> this report that we haven't covered off? There's, look, one of the questions we asked this year for the first time, and again, what we tend to do, even if we don't ask the same questions every year, you can't ask every question every year. You know, what we do is sort of ask it every second year so that we can see trends emerging, you know. Know, but we, and and cover as many topics as, as possible. But this year, for the first time, we asked about perceptions of news performance, and we asked across five indicators about um, whether or not the news media helped people understand, whether or not it was too negative, mm-hmm. or whether it was negative, yep. uh, whether or not that they felt that the news media were holding people to account, so yes, effectively yes, performing yes, their yeah, watchdog function, yes. whether or not they were being kept up to date, so whether news was arriving in a timely fashion. So, and again, mixed mixed results there. So two-thirds of us, bang on, almost 65%, said that they thought that the news media was doing a really good job in keeping them up to date. So that's good. Mm. Tick. Mm. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone. Um, around about 56% thought that the news media was doing a good job in helping them understand Events and helping understand actually also the news. Useful, better so than that's good. That's, that's, yeah. that's not a fail. It's a bamboozling everybody. Yeah, yeah it's a yeah, solid yeah, pass. Yeah, yeah. It goes a bit downhill after this. So, you know, in the 40s for, you know, negativity, so about 44, I think, and that, but that's higher than other countries mm-hmm. and holding the, you know, people powerful to account again in the 40s. That was really interesting. Yeah. And relevance. We asked about relevance. Mm. It was a bit of an awkward question. It was a negative question. So it's a bit hard to interpret. But even though most, you know, only about a third of people thought that the news wasn't relevant to them. Mm. It's still higher than a lot of other countries. Mm. Uh, Again, there was that mish of people in the middle. What do you think that holding or not doing a good job holding people to account, well, a sub-pass mark for that, what do you think that's about? It's, It's a tricky one. I think we also need to remember kind of when is the survey taken? So it was taken, you know, I think actually there's been this explosion of awareness about the news media, well, not just in the last week, but even in the last six months, there's been high profile investigative journalism, collaborative journalism, which I think has raised the profile of mm. of the watchdog function mm-hmm. uh, that journalism performs. But this survey was taken in end of January, early February. Mm-hmm. And fairly quiet months as well, yeah. not a lot going on. And up until that point, in fact, we'd had a pretty awful time in the news media. We'd had, you know, a lot of destabilisation at, at the ABC, yes, you know, yes, the, yeah. you know the, the the leadership destabilisation we're seeing politically was happening at the ABC, you know. Yes. I mean, that was kind of being echoed. Yeah. Job losses, yeah. closing people. I mean, it was pretty grim, yeah. actually. Takeovers. And I think that, that you know, trust is down a bit yeah. again this year. I yeah. think that there's influence an overall kind of malaise yeah. at that point in time the survey was taken. I think if you took the survey tomorrow or yesterday, I think you'd get a different picture. Mm. But I also think that there would be, I mean, when you look generationally at the people who are the least likely to think that people uh, are being held to account, the young young people think that. So, you know, when I read into that, I think, okay, well, what are the issues that young people think aren't being acted upon? Mm. And so you'd probably point to climate change Mm. and other things where they might feel that uh, people in power aren't acting in their interests. Well, and also a lot of the the media coverage of this issue is not, Mm. frankly, fact-based. Yeah. So when you look at that, again, young women and uh, and young... Uh, and young people generally, they're the most likely to kind of f- to feel that. Older people are much more likely to feel that the news media is holding people to account. Newspaper readers are the most likely. Mm, people on readers. social are the least mm. likely. Mm. 
Yeah. No surprises there. Yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Anyway, you can tell from this conversation, which uh, <laughs> I've really enjoyed, Caroline. Thank you for it. Uh, and by the time you're listening to this conversation, this report will be publicly yes. available. Yes. And uh, I presume if if listeners want to go to the – they can track this down at the University of Canberra's yes, website. Yes, they go to the News and Media Research Centre website. Mm-hmm. There'll be a link to, to it where they can download the report. Yeah, so you can you can get the report in its entirety. It has a number of different chapters and graphs and it's, it's very accessible and fun to read. So do chase that up. And, and thanks for coming on the show. My absolute pleasure. Well, thank you so much for listening. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, as always, to Miles and to Hannah for production. Thanks to you guys for listening, sharing, telling your friends about the episode. We'll be back next week. Mm